Hey everyone, and welcome to Social Sport. I'm your host, Emma Zimmerman, and this show is a member of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. On this show, I feature conversations with endurance athletes committed to fostering social change. Okay, stick with me as I tell you something groundbreaking. Are you ready? Sports are not the center of the world, not when we consider all of the big topics and issues that exist in this world. But at the same time, sports are the center of the world. Endurance sports provide us with a great avenue to explore the topics that really matter, from climate change to mental health to equity and inclusion. So come along as my guests and I explore one question. How are endurance sports a powerful platform for social change? Big thank you to Ope Running for sponsoring the Social Sport Podcast. Ope Running is an ethical running apparel brand designed and produced in Minnesota. The mission of Ope is truly incredible. Their performance apparel is high quality with bold colors and breathable fabrics. And this apparel is made especially for runners who care about their impact on our planet and the people who reside here. Ope even offsets the carbon emissions for every single order they ship. One of my favorite items of theirs is the Tiny Lil Short. Yes, all of their products have fun names like Tiny Lil Short. I have these shorts in the ocean blue color and they're super bright and breathable. I'll definitely be rocking them on the run, especially now that the weather is warming up. Go to oprunning.com and use code SOCIALSPORT at checkout to get 15% off your order. Again, that's operunning.com and code SOCIALSPORT. Today, I'm lucky to have Robin McGillis and Marie Davis Markham here with me. They are the co-founders of Wildwood Running, which is an organization aimed at empowering young female runners in mind and body. Both Marie and Robin are high school cross-country and track coaches in the Portland, Oregon area. Marie was a renowned high school runner, including a three-time footlocker finalist. Then she was a renowned college runner at Oregon and then a professional runner as well. Robin was also a very successful high school and collegiate runner and was recently named Mount Hood Conference Women's Coach of the Year four years in a row. Both women have incredible track records as both athletes and coaches, and now they're putting their heads together to create a more balanced, empowering culture for young female-identifying athletes. What they're doing is truly important, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Robin and Marie. Welcome to Social Sport. Thanks for having us. Morning. Can you introduce yourselves? So tell us who you are and then where I'm finding you today. Sure. Uh, I'm Robin McGillis, um, co-founder along with Marie Davis Markham of uh, Wildwood Running. And I am the head women's cross-country coach at Central Catholic High School in Portland, Oregon. I've been, uh, and then I also coach the distance uh, group in track and I'm co-director of operations for track and field and I've been at Central for about nine years now um, coaching wise. Prior to that I ran at the D3 level for cross country and track at UC San Diego. I'm originally from California so I'm a transplant unlike Marie who's born and raised Oregonian. Um, Yeah that's a little bit about me and my coaching background and Wildwood's been up and going for a year now. We'll get into that a little bit later, but that's that's who I am. Awesome. How about you, Marie? 
All right. I'm Marie Davis Markham. Um, I am a coach here also in Portland. Um, I coach at my alma mater, Lincoln High School, and I'm a new coach. I've only been coaching for three years, um, but I am assistant coach for the cross country team and um, the distances within the track team. Um, and I've gotten to know Robin over the past couple of years, and we've started this little endeavor together. So it's been fun. Yeah, I mean, much more than a little endeavor, which we'll go into. But I think one thing that's interesting is both of you um, had a lot of success in the sport. And Marie, you were incredibly successful at an incredibly young age. I know you started running competitively at eight years old. And I'll just list off so the so the listeners know and to embarrass you a little bit. You had <laughs> six national junior Olympic titles, six state championships in high school. You ran at Oregon. You had two junior world cross country championships. And I think what amazes me the most is you had a really healthy career. You had very few injuries Mm -hmm. within so much success at so many different levels, which I think is kind of rare in the sport. So how did you do that? You know, I, I reflect back on my career a lot. And I think the number one thing is I had so much joy and love for the sport. And yes, I was incredibly competitive and I wanted to beat people and I wanted to have really fast times. But the most important drive for me was a sense of community and just loving what I was doing. Um, but I also think I had people in my corner who looked out for me. Um, after starting Wildwood and um, coming back into coaching, I've talked to my mom a lot and my dad about you know, what was it like when I was in high school and just remembering my parents, you know, talking to my coaches who were amazing and kind of saying, you know, just let's give her a chance. Let's not push it. Let's let's keep her low mileage. We think that's really important for her. Keep it fun. Um, I obviously didn't need high mileage and a lot of work to be successful. And so just trying to keep that that goal of mine. And then it also was brought to my attention really early on that women peak in their late twenties. Um, and now we're seeing it even later than that. Right. And so I knew like, I don't want to peak when I'm 16 or 18. I want to keep this going as long as I could. So I had that long-term goal in my mind that helped kind of ground me. And then I also think I never wanted to be identified as a runner. Like I didn't want to be Marie as the runner. And I, a lot of times I was, and that was really hard for me, but I tried to push that away. So trying to create, you know, other opportunities for myself where people knew me in a different way. I played basketball in high school school. Um, I had friends that were runners, but friends that weren't same within college. Most of my friends were athletes, but not necessarily runners. So, um, just that whole, like trying to be a whole person, not just identified as runner was really important for me. Well, I think all of those things have become too rare in the sport. I mean, there is less of that focusing on balance at a young age and less of a focus on longevity in the sport. And it's cool to see how you've brought that mindset back and what you're doing today with Wildwood, which again, we'll talk about in detail. But first I want to bring Robin in. You said you grew up in California and I know you had a great career at UC San Diego. You went to nationals in the 800 and the mile relay. Were there any times that you experienced an unhealthy relationship or do you kind of have a similar experience to Marie with that joy? Um, I, I think that's where, um, you know, Marie and I, we we had kind of similar type types of experiences from a a running standpoint. And I, um, I I felt like I had a a very healthy, um, relationship with running, which, um, and I also was a youth runner. I started, um, with a youth track team in Modesto, California when I was in, sixth grade and and just 
um, kind of found it myself and loved it. My parents weren't runners. So it wasn't like I was in a household that was solely focused around running. It was kind of new for all of us. And then when I went to UC San Diego, I wasn't really planning on running. I didn't, I chose colleges, um, that I wanted to attend. And, um, and then I thought, well, got, when I chose San Diego, I realized I could participate on the team. So I just walked on. And um, it ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made because I have some long-lasting friendships. And I think being at that D3 level, um, there's lots of opportunities um, to compete at high levels. But at the same time, the, the pressure probably isn't quite the same as if you're under scholarship. And um, so it's even more important in like for like Marie's position that she had a good support system around her, kind of protecting her a little bit. Um, but I think it was just – and I had a coach that um, – it was all about fun and I, and my teammates, we had good positive relationships and um, did a lot of things outside of, of, of the sport of running, um, camping and hiking and um, other activities. So it wasn't solely focused on eating, eating and running and, you know, day in and day out. And that really led to my, you know, I continued to compete post collegiately with a club team when I moved to Portland and then getting into coaching, I think is just, um, Marie and I both feel lucky that we've had this positive relationship with running. We see, you know, how much it can um, um, positively impact people's lives if they have a positive relationship with it. You can, you can enjoy it, you can be in it, and then you can give back to it, um, which is, I think, mm -hmm. part of um, what we get to do with Wildwood. So you've both had really positive relationships with running, which is refreshing and awesome to hear, especially from early ages. But I know that you address a lot of the issues specifically that girls face in running and you're now coaches at the high school level, which you both mentioned. So you must have experienced or at least seen from a distance many of these issues that come up. So I'm curious what you would kind of peg as the most crucial issues to address when it comes to girls and competitive running? I think, um, I think it's different for everyone, right? We know that. And I think that one thing Robin and I are able to provide that you kind of mentioned is that um, maybe we haven't experienced it, but we've been in the sport so long that we've had friends or peers or athletes who have that we can speak to it. And I think the biggest thing that, um, I think, and I, I don't know if you're going to agree, Robin, is navigating your body as it changes. And there's so much that's thrown into that basket when that happens, right? Not only are you gaining weight, which you should be, not only is your body changing and potentially your hips widening and all those things, but performances might change. Your hormones are going to change. Um, and then there's also just the idea of you know, mentally being able to focus during that time and believe in yourself. And we're in a sport where we compare so much of our performance to everyone else, right? A time is a time and you're either here or you're right, you're right in front of someone, or you're right behind someone. And so during that time we get stuck, we can get stuck into really looking at other people and you're going to as a competitor, but how do you make sure that you're doing that in a healthy way where it's not changing um, how you view yourself and how you act and how you behave so that you're not um, acting or behaving in an unhealthy way. So there's so many other things, but for me, I think that's kind of one of the big um, pieces that I notice. 
And you mentioned those words like healthy way versus unhealthy way. And I think it's interesting because the lines can be super blurred, I think, especially for young girls. I don't know if you two agree, but I think sometimes these practices, maybe like thinking about nutrition, which Mm -hmm. are thought of as very healthy and necessary to success in the sport and running a certain number of miles can very easily cross that line to obsession. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the word healthy sometimes becomes dangerous right? Healthy can mean it only needs to be a certain way. And when I guess we try and think of more well-rounded, how are you, and how are you finding your own journey and your own path? Like what's healthy for you might not be healthy for someone else or taking that word away and just understanding that like, this is right for me is so important because people do get caught up in, I read this or this pro athlete does this. How do I now do that when you're in a very different place than those people? Yeah, I think it's about balance, you know, it's it's just, you know, that's what, from a coaching standpoint that I really have to emphasize, like the the individual and the balance, Um, because each, you know, Marie and I both, we coach um, female athletes, and and I'm sure she's found very similar um, cases, but you might, I have some girls that can thrive off of 30, 40, 45 miles a week, and then I have other girls that break down a little bit if they run you know, more than 25 or more than five days in a row, four or five days in a row. So I have one girl on my team that runs, she runs every other day. And in between she does either elliptical or bike and that works for her, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so it's tailoring it to them, but then also assuring that they feel confident in that journey that they can, they can have a different path and success looks different for everybody. It doesn't have to be a one size fits all because that's where those unhealthy behaviors and ultimately can impact your mental and your physical health um, down the line. I think that cognizance for individuality is so important in coaching. I just think about my own experiences in the sport and the coaches that I've been most successful under and that I've seen other people be most successful under are always the ones who are able to recognize that there's no one size fits all model. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that so much. So with all these issues and things you have to keep in mind when you're coaching girls. When did you put your heads together and say, we want to attack these issues. We want to launch Wildwood. How did that start? Well, it kind of started, we were at um, a clinic, a a great clinic for high school coaches in Boulder, Colorado. You know, Robin and I had both been coaching females and probably in the back of our mind had been like, you know, this is such a great opportunity to come to a clinic and learn all this great information. And it was awesome. Like we went away having so much knowledge, but we kind of realized that, Hey, you know, there are some conversations missing on females and how females are different than males. Right. And physiologically, maybe even emotionally, there's other factors that go into coaching females. And it doesn't mean that there's not a lot that are similar as well, but we were just in this conversation and, realizing, oh, this is something that maybe we could pull together. Maybe we could address some of these topics. Like we're not the experts at it, but how can we bring people together who are experts in this area to help guide this conversation and start this conversation? So I think we were, it was like two in the morning. We decided we're out at a bar and we decided this is what we're going to do. And we put a meeting notice in our calendar. And the next week we were like, so is this still going to happen. And we met and sure enough, Wildwood began. I feel like all great ideas are like that. They just, you know, happen so quickly. 
Well, and it was great because there were so many coaches um, who were at this and they're like, yes, do it, do it, do it. We'll be there. We'll come. So it was kind of like this little nudge as well. Yeah. It was very, very organic and very, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very organic, the whole process of it. And and that's how I feel like it's been along the way. I mean, we obviously we work really hard at what we're doing, but at the same time, it feels very natural. Like it feels like this is needed. And, and sometimes we'll have some ideas and we're like, mm, that's not quite working or doesn't quite fit. And then, then but then we, when we kind of link into something that's, that works, it just really works. And it works because I think it's, it's neat. Like you said earlier in the podcast, Emma, it's, it's needed. You know, there's, there's a, there's a need out there for um, girls and coaches to be able to access resources and get support. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I'll give a little bit of an intro to Wildwood in the intro to my listeners, but in your own words, I'd love to just hear kind of an overview of what Wildwood is and the mission and goals of it. It's, you know, being completely transparent, it's, it's evolving, right? We have a mission, which is to empower um, females on their journey, on their athletic journey, Um, empower females and coaches um, and provide toolkits, tools for coaches and athletes to have a more healthy, um, successful journey, um, whatever that journey looks like for them. So I think ultimately that's our mission. And we're always kind of checking back as we develop projects to make sure it, it, it is in sync with that mission. So I think we have kind of two key groups that we target. One is the coaching group right now. And then the second, we've gone direct to athletes. So we started with our coaches clinic last August. And we brought in experts on nutrition, on mental health, on um, physiological um, changes that females go through. So we brought in a physician to talk through puberty and menstruation and what's happening during um, during a, f- a female cycle. So that we, we targeted the coaching population with that. And then we came back in January of this year, 2021, and brought it directly to the girls. So a lot of those coaches that attended then brought their girls in to hear from some of these same experts, but the content was directed towards the, towards the athlete. And I think going forward, we are just going to, one, we're going to continue with delivering the, the uh, content over Zoom is helpful because you can reach a large population across the United States. Eventually, we might go more in person with this, um, but um, we're going to continue with the delivery of kind of our base level contents because there's lots of runners out there. Some We had about 300 kids that attended the, the first camp but we know that there's others out there that would like to attend and get that same information. So in the coming months, we're going to be setting down dates for kind of a, a, a repeat version of the camp that we did in January. We're going to do that again, um, deliver that same type of information. So we'll, and then we're also looking at some in-person camp options um, here in the Portland area um, where it would be a day or two day camp um, at a community center where we would touch on some topics to go for some runs, maybe have some yoga, some nutrition talk, involve some reflection time, um, but smaller group in person um, here in, Port- in the Portland area. So again, just continuing the mission of, of education and, and empowerment, I think, um, through whatever vehicle we can. And we have coming up on April 25th, we have our most immediate next project is a leadership project. Mm-hmm. So we have, it's a two and a half hour workshop geared towards 
girls that are either captains or just leaders in their team or, or could just be influencers. Right. Um, and they could be in that current role or aspiring to be a better leader on their team. So we've brought together, we kind of identified through our camp, some of those girls that we thought could really share some key information and um, provide team building activity ideas, team empowerment ideas. So we're going to do a panel discussion. We're going to have a keynote speaker, a, a head coach from California is going to kick us off. And then we're going to really let the girls kind of run the show and share their knowledge uh, with the Wildwood community so that other girls can, can learn and, and walk away with some cool things that they can do on their teams to continue to, um, to build a positive environment for, for them. That all sounds amazing. And I'm pretty sure this episode will be out after that, the April 25th date, but, you know, we'll make sure to share it, that clinic, that leadership opportunity is happening on social sport um, before it. But it seems like all of this has happened in a very short period of time. That first clinic was August of 2020, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. That's very impressive to happen in that short period of time, especially with your full-time careers and your parents and everything. Marie's a driver. She drives drives the bus hard. It's it's great. It's great. No, it's been good. No, it is a lot, but I think at the same time, it's been, um, Marie and I work really well. I would, hopefully she would say the same thing, but (laughs) we work really well together. I think it's, we can, we can be pretty nimble because it's just two of us mm-hmm. and we ha- sometimes have differing opinions, but we're able to listen and hear each other out and then move forward. And I think that produces a better product, mm-hmm. a better, you know, presentation workshop, things that are going out to the girls and the coaches. It seems like you two work very well together. And I mean, full transparency for my listeners, I had the opportunity to serve as a virtual camp counselor at that uh, Wildwood girls camp, which was incredible. And I was blown away by, I mean, not only how well you two work together, but also the girls seemed for the most part, so interested in talking about puberty and nutrition and all of these things that I think we peg as kind of taboo topics or kind of uncomfortable topics that girls wouldn't want to talk about. But I was blown away by like how given the opportunity, most of them really do want to talk about those things. So I was curious what your takeaways were from that camp. I think exactly what you said. We were just blown away by how much coaches and athletes want this information. Like they want to be part of this conversation. They want to be, I don't know, part of if change is the right word, change of the sport, but just like advancing the sport into a way that um, there's, there is more transparency and more conversations around critical topics. And um, I think one thing that we did well, I think was create those trail groups, the breakout rooms that you were a part of Emma, where girls could just go and talk. And that's what they want. They're missing their communities right now with COVID, you know, they're getting back together more so now than they were in January, but just to have opportunities to talk about how they're feeling and maybe even they're not comfortable talking, but to listen to someone else talk can help you know, those quieter girls say, Oh, I, I get that. I, I, I have the same feelings. I understand that. And so, you know, we felt that, that the camp went really well. Um, we got a lot of great feedback, but more than anything, it just felt great to be part of the community of, of girls who are experiencing something we have already experienced in our life. And we value that experience. Like I believe I am who I am today because of running and because of my high school running and collegiate running. I believe that 
you know, I was able to navigate times where I didn't run well or, or times where I ran fantastic or tough teammates or my body changing or periods, but I was able to get through that. And so to see these girls going through it now and to know that they're like embracing it and realizing like she's doing it that way, but I'm, I'm going to do it that this way felt really good when, when it all finished. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well said. I have nothing to add. That was <laughs> it's just so interesting because I, I just hear about like your experiences as high school runners and kind of a, this more healthy, balanced mindset. And we always think like we're progressing, you know, like one year is better than the next, but it just seems like there's less of that nowadays. And I don't know if I am biased off of, you know, things I've experienced in the sport, but I'm curious what you think of that, whether there's been like almost a backward turn in, in running and having these conversations over the years or yeah, just what that dynamic has looked like over the years. I, I think, I mean, what, I think there's a lot of factors at play. I feel like back in the day, you know, I'm dating Marie and I a little bit, but, you know, we're in our 40s. And um, like Marie said, when she was running competitively in high school, she also played basketball. She did all these other things. And I think um, this is kind of aside from the conversation piece of it, but um, kind of, I think, to, to, dovetails into it um back in those days you could come from you could be a multi-sport athlete and that was welcomed and encouraged kids were out playing kids were playing basketball in between season and now we've seen this overall um focus from in sports in general beyond it's in the running world it's in the soccer world it's in the volleyball world where kids are specializing and they're playing that same sport year round and i just think it's created this, you know, kind of pay to play atmosphere where you get these large club systems and kids are dialed in and they're not able to like um, try things out as much. And parents feel pressured to like, I need to, my kid's been identified as the next up and coming. If you want to get a scholarship, you need to start now. And I think it's a culture um, that has kind of taken over in a negative way. And um, I think that's impacted those conversations, right? Because now it's it's the, the overarching culture has really pushed towards the performance end versus like the holistic kid end. And I think that's, you know, where Wildwood can be helpful, but I think there's a lot of other actions that need to happen in the world of sport in general for kids, youth sports, you know, if if they're going to continue in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I think to add on to that, the access of information, immediate information has also maybe changed things a little bit. Like when we would run, you know, we would have our, our time as we finished and then we'd be able to have days to reflect on whether we were happy with that performance or not before the world sees it. Like we, we would wait till every Tuesday morning and in the newspaper, it would have the Tuesday best from around the state of Oregon. And they'd have the top four or five times for every event. So by then you're already way past an emotional reaction to your performance, right? Whereas now kids are like, okay, that was great. But then they look at athletic.net and someone's time is or four people are faster than them in a, in a race at the exact same time. And then they don't have time to reflect on how they did. They're just comparing themselves right away to someone else. And it's the same thing with like cross country courses. Like they're so different than when we were running. They're so fast and they're so flat, which is great giving these opportunities for kids to run fast. But like our times were so different because we were running up and down and over hay bales and all over the places. So 
this immediate sense of like, I've got to see these times rather than like the whole body of work, um, I think has kind of maybe pushed things in one direction as well into like very time-based rather than performance-based. I don't know. That immediacy is so interesting. And I think it it comes back to social media, which I think you were getting at too. And I often wonder about that because I think I went to high school, you know, and Instagram was just kind of starting to be a thing. We weren't all really obsessed with Instagram and social media in the same way that kids have access to it today. And yeah, I am curious how you see that affecting you. You both work so much with high school kids and then through Wildwood, whether you think that has had a big impact on these topics. I do. I mean, I, I, I remember one of our girls PRing in the 800 and like thrill or like, okay, like happy with it, thinking she's going to run a little faster, but then like an hour later, a rival across the state just ran this amazing time. And she was just devastated. And if she hadn't known that she would have been able to like be very proud of herself and, you know, of her performance and just kind of, um, kind of continue on with her with her own practice rather than worrying so much about other people. And, and then, you know, if, if one of our athletes has a slower time on, they're like, well, will people see that on athletic.net? But I always am able to say to them, well, if another competitor has a slower time, what would you think? And they're like, oh, she was just tempo running, or she was just taking maybe running slower and then finishing harder was an easier day for her. And so it's hard for them to step back on their own performance if it's not as great. And so those conversations are so important because if we're just having them go down the list of times and times and times and competing with others, you get so wrapped up into, well, how can I cut this corner? What can I do now? Can, do I need to run more? Should I eat in a different way? Should I be running harder? Should I be doing, you know, instead of going and lifting weights twice a week, should I do it four times a week? Like they get wrapped up in this kind of idea of what are other people doing out there? What can I find on social media that someone's doing that can I can put in my pocket? It's hard. It's really hard. It is hard. It's such a slippery slope. It sounds like, and especially in the highlight reel of, you know, social media and without even getting into the pros that high schoolers have so much access to what the pros grown women are doing, which is different than what a girl should be doing. Kind of going back to Wildwood and the structure of Wildwood, I know you also have this mentorship program with my very good friends at Strong Runner Chicks. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yep, yep. This is like about four or five months ago, this came to, and it was Megan Flanagan, who's the, the, I don't even know what her title is, but the head of Strong Runner Chicks. Founder, yeah, yeah, founder, head founder. Founder. Um, she came to us with this idea. She, she, you know, like um, has this great community that they have built over at Strong Runner Chicks of post collegiate runners um, that are, con- you know, continuing continuing in the sport and want to give back to it. And um, and we had done a podcast with her, so we had met that way. Um, early on. And she said, wouldn't it be great if we could kind of like, um, team up, you guys have kind of, um, access to girls that are wanting, you know, to learn more about these topics and feel supported and empowered. And I have all these great, strong post-collegiate female runners that want to continue to give back to their sport. So we decided to pair up and, um, and, um, develop the, the mentorship program, which um, it's we take on an, uh, a, a limited number of girls, and we're still we still have openings though. If, if girls hear this and, the, and they're interested in a mentorship um, opportunity, where we partner them up 
um, they fill out an application so we can kind of dive a little bit deeper into what they're looking for, what areas they're interested in as far as needing support, maybe even where they're located. And then um, finding a mentor that can best support them. And then the agreement, it's like a six month agreement that over the each month, um, the mentor and mentee will meet at least twice. And that could be just a phone call or an email, but there's, you know, contact and um, back and forth at least twice a month. And then we provide a monthly um, activity for the mentors and mentees to come together from a development standpoint. So we'll have, you know, discussions around um, finding your why, or the last one we hosted was a uh, physical therapist who's a PT for the Bowerman Track Club. She came kind of just shared a little bit of, of why PT, you know, you should be proactive with your PT and um, view it as a tool to help you run more uh stronger and in a healthy way. So we provide these resources along with that kind of one-on-one um, partnership. And there's a cost to it, but we do provide scholarships. So we want all awesome. girls to be able to access it. Well, that's awesome. I'll put the information for that in the show notes for sure. If anyone listening has a daughter, niece, next door neighbor, anyone who could benefit from that, definitely look into it. And when I first heard of this mentorship program, I just thought it was so unique and so smart. I mean, what a what a great idea to pair girls with women who've been in this place and can talk about having a more balanced relationship with the sport. And it made me think, like, why doesn't this exist already? Unless I'm completely, you know, unless I, I don't know, unless I'm not aware of other things that are happening is this as unprecedented as I think it is, or have you seen other examples of similar programs? I've, I've heard of, Megan's referred to one program where there's Olympic athletes or professional athletes who mentor girls, but it's, it's a pretty hefty commitment and charge, I think, fee-based um, program, but no, we haven't. And, and the thing is, is like four, three or four of the girls on our team are part of the program and they love it. Just talking about like, you know, thinking about college in a couple of years and, and thinking about setting goals. And then one of my girls was like, oh, my mentor helped me with my race strategy, which I was like, okay, that's cool. Because here she's getting a, a perspective from someone different than her coaches, which sometimes might be worrisome, right? Like this person doesn't know her, but she knows her so well that like her advice was spot on, which I was so impressed with. So um, I don't, I don't know of a lot of other programs this way. I know that it's been hard for us to reach girls. It's been hard for mentees to sign up. We thought there would be a lot more and we have a great group of them. Um, but I don't know if it's that if it's because, you know, they're nervous to step out and to talk to someone they don't know, especially right now, since it's not in person, you know, over with COVID and stuff. So um, it's definitely something we're trying to navigate and, and help these girls. Cause if, if I had had a program like this, like the, the pressures and the stress I felt when I was a high schooler, um, I would have loved it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is just, um, and we're working on that, you know, sl- I think it's just a slower process because we really have to build those relationships because you think about you're connecting. I mean, we know how great it is. We know how great the mentors are. We're like, they're awesome. Why wouldn't you want to do this? But for some of these kids, they don't know them and they're shy. 
you know, so it's, it's making those, I think as Wildwood builds and, and, and the athletes become more familiar with us and what we're about, that that'll, that'll um, transition into um, the mentorship program growing because they'll be like, oh, that's Wildwood. I definitely want to be a part of that. But I think, you know, even though we've done some great things, we're still in our infancy, you know, we're still building who we are and people are still learning about us in general. And, you know, a high schooler has to trust before they will dive in. And That's true. It's easy to forget with everything you've done and with the whole big virtual camp that you are still in your infancy. It's still yeah. very young and going to grow a lot, I'm sure. So I want to talk about one other piece of the camp, and that is Girls Talk. I know that, Marie, that's a program that you originally founded, came up with, and have incorporated into Wildwood. And I believe you do it in other schools and other uh, clinics, et cetera. And could, could you tell us a little bit more about that? This is a yeah. really interesting program. Yeah. So um, it kind of started, I was um, with my girls at and boys at a camp called Steens Mountain Running Camp here in Oregon. And one of my teammates in college, Melody Fairchild, um, was speaking to the girls about kind of this stigma of, of having to be a certain body type or a certain race weight, uh, you know, a lean and a kind of petite runner or whatever. And she was referring to an article that had been written and she was like, why we should be challenging that. Like we should be talking about how our bodies change and we should embrace that and be proud that, you know, if someday we want to bear, bear children, we can do that. Right. Um, and she just started talking about, um, how as girls hit puberty, you know, they're pumped full of estrogen, which is, um, fat building mass and boys are pumped full of testosterone and that's muscle building mass. And sometimes girls plateau or, or maybe even their performances decline for a little bit in who they are and they trust their body and they, and they, and they, you know, they navigate their own journey. They're going to come out of it way stronger, better, better people, great athletes. And my girls were just blown away. They're like, mm -hmm. what? That's what's happening to my body. Like this makes so much sense. That's why I plateaued. And, and, you know, I had only been coaching with the team for about four months at that point. So I was very new into the coaching world. And and, you know, I didn't know that information when I was in high school and I know Robin didn't either. And so I took that as a time, like, okay, we need to start having these conversations. And so, um, our head coach at Lincoln, Eric Detman is like, so on board with, and actually the leader of our team. And like, we need our athletes to be wonderful, well-rounded people, right? They're not runners first, they're students first, they're people first, and then they're runners. And so I approached him saying, I want to start having these conversations with the girls um, about critical topics on their well-being as people. And so we started having these conversations and I had a couple, I had, I knew where I wanted to go with it being the teacher, but I brought a couple of girls in who helped um, me kind of create the conversations. And then also I did that. So I wanted them to buy in on the process and they really did. And so we had all these great conversations and we really talked about, um, we had different topics. We talked about puberty, what's happening with your body, menstrual health, making sure they know that they need a period, why they need a period. And it needs to be regular. Um, we've also talked about, you know, mental health, racing strategies, the, sometimes they'll come up and they'll be like, can we do a girl's talk? Like I, I keep comparing myself to everyone else kind of, you know, when you get closer to the mm -hmm. championship season and you can only take seven girls, you know, to districts or whatever. And, and so they just really bought in. And so 
I, um, I spoke at a couple of clinics about what I was doing. And so a couple of schools across the country have hired me to lead over Zoom some conversations with their girls. But, you know, they want to talk about this stuff. Like they really do. They want to sit down and they want to talk about how their body is navigating this time in their life and how they can be wonderful people and how they can support each other. And I, every time I walk away from one of those conversations, I learn something new about myself and I learn something new about my team. And like, how great is that to keep evolving and to keep growing as a person? And, and so it's just been a wonderful thing. And I haven't been doing as many girl talk because Wildwood is kind of taking off and I love what we're doing. So I've been focusing on that a lot more, but it's been a really great thing. And we've been able to add them to our, to our camp and what we're doing. And we've realized that like this reflection piece is huge. And that's why we've embedded it so much in everything we do, because we realize the girls just want to come together. They don't want to just sit and get right. They want to be a part of that Mm -hmm. reflecting. So. I love that so much. And I specifically love that image at the camp of, you know, girls sitting there learning about estrogen and rate and plateauing in performance and kind of being like, Oh, this is what's happening. I had no idea because that's what it is. There's so much confusion. Girls aren't taught in a very comprehensive way about, well, puberty in general, but then how it will affect athletic trajectories. And I think about myself as a high schooler, I was so confused. And I think that's a very common experience across the board. So it's, I mean, it's wild that it is so rare to be having these conversations, Mm -hmm. but it shows how important it is too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches are afraid to talk about it, rightfully so, because they're afraid they're going to scare their girls, right? And there are not so great ways to talk about your body changing. And there are great ways. Robin and I believe knowledge is power, right? It doesn't mean you're going to regress or you're going to plateau, but here is some information for you in case that does happen. So if it does happen, you have an understanding maybe of why this might be happening with your performance and you don't then try and cut corners and do things that aren't as good for yourself. So if there's maybe a coach listening, do any of you have any advice on how to start to bring up this topic or a place they can go to find resources on how to do that? I mean, I think that they can have, I, the best thing I have found to do is just to be real with your girls. And if you start to notice trends on your team, then there's probably a conversation that needs to happen. Kind of Robin, like what you were talking about with Colleen, like PT, you want to front things before things start to happen. So talking with them um, is incredibly important. And I don't think it's just a one time, like it was interesting. We, I was talking to my girls and I realized like, all these new freshmen, because of COVID, we haven't had any girls talks. They don't have this information Mm. because we haven't had a chance to sit down and do this. So these conversations need to happen year after year, because if you get a group of girls who are the norm is to talk about your period, and then some of them graduate and a new group come in, well, those girls don't have the norm that it's great to talk about your period. So just continuing those conversations, but yeah, you can, I think what we're offering at Wildwood is a great resource for coaches. Um, There's a page about girls talks and sometimes I host little clinics on how to do girls talks. Um, So there's lots of opportunities there too. Amazing. Normalizing is key. Robin, do you think that covers it or do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think that um, I like what you just said, like normalizing is key and it's really just, it, it empowers the girls, like gives them information. So instead of 
when we talked, when we were talking to some of these coaches, you know, some of them are hesitant to, to broach these subjects. Um, so they just don't. These young girls have the right to, to know more. And that's going to just make them that much stronger as an individual um, person, which will translate into their athletic performance. For sure. So my understanding is that you both are parents. Um, so this is kind of changing topics, but I'm curious how being a parent has affected how you think about these issues and how you think about youth and running or youth and sports. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I, so I, we both have two kids each and I, I definitely impacts it for sure. I have <clears throat> a son and a daughter and they're both into different um, sports. My daughter is a freshman in high school. And I actually coach her. Oh. So this probably had the most direct impact but um even my son who he plays hockey um i've used some of the tools that we've learned through um the, the practitioners we brought on uh, for wildwood uh, with him so the, the identity pie chart i've used with him because he heavily identifies with hockey there were points especially during the pandemic where i was a little worried how focused he was on it that he didn't mm-hmm. have other buckets filled and um just being a part of Wildwood has opened my eyes as a parent um, that I need to address these things. And then I think that um, my daughter, Ella, it's kind of, it's interesting because I'll hear Marie talk about her career and how um, certain things she didn't want to be identified as a runner. And I think when you have success at a young age, but you realize how important it is to develop that whole personality for them individually as they grow. And that has really impacted how I treat um, my daughter, who had some, has had some success early in her middle school career, but she has feels strong and confident enough to voice that that's not how she wants to be known. She wants to be mm. known as Ella, who's a student, friend, into these other things. And um, so she's almost teaching me, which is, you know, teaching me how important it is that what I'm doing for other girls. That's so cool. It must be really gratifying to kind of see that play out on your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 um, raises the game. Cause I'm like, I need to, this, I don't want to screw this up. Right. <laughs> I don't want to screw it up. I mean, all the kids I coach are my kids. Like I still, you know, Marie's the same way, you know, you still, you continue to talk with these girls after they leave your program. And, um, they're just like your extended family in many ways. So, um, Ella's my daughter, but I consider all of them kind of my daughters to some extent. And, um, it just, it raises the stakes because you're like, they deserve better. They deserve to be able to feel good about themselves, to feel empowered, whatever route they take with running, whether it's just running with a community group after high school or running in college, whatever that is, you just want it to be positive and want them to feel good about themselves and land in a good place. And um, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, my children are a lot younger. My son is a first grader and I just want him to do every sport he wants to do, right? He loves it. Um, And he's very active, like most first grade boys are. And so that's really fun to just immerse him in everything and not get him set on like his, his dad plays baseball. And so he's really into that. And I'm always like, come to track, but we want to make sure that, you know, he loves to to skateboard and play soccer and, and just kind of keep them as whole as he can. But um, my daughter is only five and, but she has some special needs. And so I look at her now and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see her as like a top athlete. Right. 
but I see her as having an opportunity to play sports, hopefully for the rest of her life. And to realize that like, that's our vision at Wildwood too. It's not for the top. It's for everyone. We want everyone to, to realize that this sport is for everyone and you can have this long lasting love with it. And so once you start to create a positive relationship with it as, as a high schooler, you can build that forever. And so I look at that with my daughter, like there are going to be opportunities for her, no matter what her skill set is to really love a sport and hopefully feel included. And, and so that's something that I is, keeps reminding me of like, how, how am I treating every single runner that I come into contact with? Because for them, this sport means something and I need to make sure that I know what it means for them so I can lift them in that way. I love both of those answers. And this is kind of related, but what impact do you hope Wildwood has on the sport of running for the future? Honestly, I mean, I just think two things. Number one is that girls realize it's their journey and they empower themselves to do what's best for themselves, right? Um, To be strong in mind and body, to love themselves, to be confident um, and to to know that we're helping support girls in that way. And then number two, that, that this is a journey that they want to be on for a really long time, that they're going to be 43 and 46 years old and wanting to continue running all the time or whenever they feel like it and giving back to the sport because it's something that's treated them really well. Uh, I, that was well said. I, I don't really have anything to add to it. because <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I can. I completely agree. I mean, that's the vision I want to see for the sport as well. So you two have been super generous with your time. Thank you. I have a few fun rapid fire questions just to wrap this up and have some fun. Are you ready for that? (laughs) So do you have a favorite memory as a coach? Or it could be a general memory. It could be a time in the season, anything like that. Honestly, we finished like a pseudo state meet on Saturday and that's the first memory that comes to my mind. And I was just going to post something on Wildwood about it today. Like the finish line, like there's girls laying all over, they're crying in each other's arms. (laughs) I love you. You did it. Robin is miming, uh, lying (laughs) by a finish line right now. (laughs) But just to like, that finish line feeling, especially like at a culminating meet, like a state meet where you like did it for not only yourself, but for everyone around you. And it's like tears of joy, but also tears of sadness. Like that's those memories are the, the memories I will always remember. And so that one's super fresh in my mind. Yeah. Kind of similar. I, um, I have this, uh, girl Campbell who was a part of that meet on Saturday and she, She's going, she's going to, this plug for her. She's going to Tulane. Uh, sh- she's committing to go to Tulane. Nice. She, she would love to run there, but she's just below what their performance standards are. But she is, she is, she's got an academic scholarship. You know, that's where she's going to go. And she'll continue to run no matter what, but she really wants to be a part of that team. And so she's taking her journey into her own hands. And she's been contacting the coach and she just sent this amazing email to him and, um, you know, partway down, it says, as I look ahead to next year and my college experience, I can't imagine not running. It's that simple for me. The picture above captures who I am as a teammate and who I will be on your team. On your team, I will bring my tenacity, dedication to the sport and lifestyle, positive mindset, 
and helping hand and the grit needed to be a D1 cross country athlete. I want to, with all my heart, be a part of your team and would love to speak with you more. I just, I mean, and she just sent that. It's so articulate. And I'm like, how can you not let this kid on your, even just to practice, right? I am um, crying right, right now. <laughs> like I cannot imagine. Oh my goodness. She's just, she's just a special kid. And, you know, cause similar to Marie, when we um, finished, you know, those girls, ran for those seniors that day. And um, those seniors, whether they're running in college or not, gave it all for that team that day. It wasn't, they didn't give it because they wanted a PR or because they wanted to get a mark for a a college. They wanted to do the best for the girls in the circle that they were running with. And that, you just can't, you can't, that, that's, I was talking to Marie's, um, to the head coach, Eric Detman earlier this morning. I was like, that's, that's the gold. Like you can't. Yeah you can't put a value on that. It's just, it's just that those experiences are just once in a lifetime. Now I'm super emotional and also nostalgic for (laughs) cross country. I love both of those answers. You have some awesome Wildwood swag on the website in the store. What is your favorite swag item? Uh, Probably our hat, our trucker hat. I mean, that's kind of our original item and I literally wear mine every day, whether <laughs> on a run or just, you know, later in the day when I'm, my hair is going crazy, but I just love that trucker hat. I have one right in, in a basket beside my desk right now. <laughs> I love the hat or that we have a beanie too, a Carhartt beanie. I like that one. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite book you've read or movie you've watched in the past year? Um, I can never, I read on a Kindle. I can never remember the titles of any of the books I've read. Um, fair, totally fair. Yeah. I'm in the middle of reading Bravey. It's really great. I like that. Yeah. I read Glennon Doyle's book. Um, Untamed. That oh, was Untamed. good. Yeah. Untamed. I, I like that one a lot. And then the night before, this isn't like my favorite movie, but kind of random. <laughs> the night before the state meet or our state invitational that, that uh, Marie and, and her crew hosted on Saturday. I watched uh, McFarland. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that one in a while. I should. (laughs) You know, it's such a great story. It's so empowering and just, you know, it's a men's team, but it goes to the same, you know, message that, you know, if you believe in something and you work for it, for the people around you, you can make it happen. Kind of like the long green line. The long green line. Eric Detman, our head coach, is like the star of the Long Green Line. So I always oh. give a plug for that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll have to link all of that in the yes. show notes. The last question that I ask everyone is, why is sport a powerful platform for social change? I think that when people have the confidence to understand who they are and they have the belief that they are important and that they matter, that they can make change in the world. And I think that sport does that for a lot of people. I think it did it for me and for them to be able to know that they're trying to be the best version of themselves, usually are the type of people who wanna be the best for those around them. And I think that brings on change. I completely agree. Yeah, I think that it just, it gives, sport gives you the space to kind of, to work hard towards something, to fail and to grow confidence. And the more confidence you have, you know, you see some of these athletes that use their, their, that confidence, I think, translates into them um, feeling stronger as a, as a person and to be able to stand up for things and um, influence things that are important to them outside of the sport. 
so incredibly true. Both of those are so true. Thank you both for taking the time to chat today. And if anyone is listening, please go. I mean, I know there are people listening. If you are listening, please go check out Wildwood. It's incredible. I think it's truly a game changer what you two are doing for the sport of running, specifically for girls. Thank you for that. And it was such a joy to talk with you both. Thank you, Emma. You're great. Having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social Sport. If you have a young female runner in your life, definitely check out Wildwood at wildwoodrunning.com. And especially check out their mentorship program. It's something that I really wish existed when I was in high school. And I'm so happy that it exists now because it's helping create a better future for the sport of running. If you enjoyed this episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave Social Sport a rating and a review. That will be so incredibly helpful in helping me grow the show. And it takes all of three minutes, maybe at the most. So please help me out and leave a rating and a review. You can also find me on Instagram at Social Sport Pod. You can follow the show over there and you can also slip into the Social Sport DMs and let me know what you think of the show. You can subscribe to the newsletter at socialsport.substack.com. All right. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Stay sporty and keep resisting.